Hey listeners, on May 13th, we invite you to join us and Reed Hoffman for a new virtual strategy session presented in alliance with Capital One Business. You'll hear insights from fellow entrepreneurs about how to be at the forefront of leading change with AI. So go to mastersofscale.com AI strategy right now to register for free. Again, that's mastersofscale.com AI strategy. Looking forward to seeing you there. I'd now been running movie companies for 18 years. And if I never saw another script, I would be a happy person. That's Barry Diller, former CEO of Paramount Pictures, founder of Fox Broadcasting, creator of the first TV movies and miniseries. At the height of his career, when another executive would be riding high on their success, he was bored. Not just with his job, but the entire business of storytelling. And this is a startling twist. Barry saying, I'm done with scripts. It's like my friend Elon Musk saying, I'm done with electric cars. In his boredom, Barry was searching for a new idea. Any new idea. Anything other than what he'd been doing for the past 18 years. I'd quit and said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to drive around the country to basically stop having to have meetings with people who wanted me to do the same old thing. So Barry literally hit the road in search of a new career. And that's how he ended up here. Officially broadcast. Have you ever wanted to listen to the radio in the shower? I'm getting everything. one of a kind handbag. Available now, but only for a limited time. Fantastic. We have one at home and we love it. Call now. Yes, it's QVC. That's right. QVC. You know, the home shopping network where you're going to hop on the phone and buy a handbag or a sterling silver necklace, but for a limited time only. Act now, because they're going fast. What happened was my wife, who's a fashion designer, Diane, when first she had gone to this new thing called QVC. And she said to me that I must go see it. Barry wasn't exactly captivated, but he was curious. So I went to QVC and I saw something that I had never seen before. It was this early convergence of telephones, televisions, and computers. But the most important thing was, I had only known about screens to tell stories. Here, I saw a screen that was interactive. That screen was used for purposes other than narrative. And that was, wow, that whacked me. This is what amazes me about Barry. He's imagining an age of interactive content back in 1992 when the internet barely existed. No one could even begin to imagine the kinds of content that would emerge as people learn to interact through the screen. And his lack of knowledge, in fact, his complete confusion, is what sold him on it. Can you imagine how exciting it is to go from, I mean, a lot of other people understand narrative and screens, but God knows I did, Yes. to go into, huh? Yes. Well, it's the blank page, right? Absolutely. Right. So oh, it's my like God. A new blankest blank page. of blank page. Yeah. The blankest of blank pages may not sound like much of a plan, but if you've heard last week's episode... Did you listen? No, I'm still catching up. I like to binge. You'll understand why Barry latched onto it. Barry is what I call an infinite learner. If he isn't learning on the job, he simply can't do his job. Listen to last week's episode to get a sense of the radically new ideas he scaled across the entertainment industry. 
I know plenty of entrepreneurs who are veritable mountaineers when it comes to climbing a steep new learning curve. But Barry is in a class of his own. He doesn't just learn fast. He knows how to unlearn. And that's an essential skill for a career as varied as his. If you want to be a serial entrepreneur, you have to learn how to unlearn. You gotta have incredible talent at every position. It's like this huge push. There are fires burning when you're going home. Can you believe it? Such an idiot. And then you go back to, this is totally gonna be amazing. There are so many easy ways. I'm supposed to know what to do. I have no idea what to do. Sorry, we made a mistake. But you have to time it right. Oops. Working at a three-bedroom apartment. Stuff that just seems absolutely nutballs. Ten years later, I'm like, well, that's just how you do it. We haven't made just how you do it. This is Masters of Scale. We'll start the show in a moment after a word from our premier brand partner, Capital One Business. I woke up in the middle of the night because I had this nightmare that we were front page news that we've done the stupidest mistake of our life by making this pivot. <laughs> That's Aparna Saran. Chief Marketing Officer for Capital One Business, and she's recalling a moment from her previous position at Capital One when she was heading up a team designing a new business card. We had just made the decision to go all in and sunset the prior version of the product, which was honestly the cash cow for our business. When we made that decision within a senior leadership meeting, as someone who had been on the journey to build this out for five plus years, it was really exciting. But by the time the weekend hit, I started to feel the responsibility and the pressure. We are taking this big bet on something that I've built. Perhaps you've been there. You've made a pivotal decision and then panic sets in. How would Aparna calm her butterflies and steer her team through this pivot? We'll find out later in the show. It's all part of the Refocus Playbook, a special series where Capital One Business highlights stories of business owners and leaders using one of Reed's theories of entrepreneurship. Today's Playbook Insight, have multiple plan Bs. I'm Reid Hoffman, co-founder of LinkedIn, investor Greylock, and your host. And I believe the essential skill set of a serial entrepreneur comes down to a simple habit. You have to learn to unlearn. People take pleasure in their mastery of a given field. They go, I've learned this, and now this is what will differentiate me from other people for all time. One of the things that I tell people is that success imprints more strongly than failure. And it does so because you've succeeded. It's like, I've learned this tool, and so this tool must be right. And so I just keep applying it, even as the train comes off the tracks. Because part of what happens is, you know, markets change, competitors change, industries change, you change. And so frequently you have to go, okay, which of the old lessons have to be thrown out? And which things do I have to unlearn or learn anew? To unlearn, you have to let go of what you thought was true. And to purge the core that made you successful is very hard to do. For example, if I tried to go start a new consumer internet company, and I tried to do it the way that I started LinkedIn, and just kind of said, I'm gonna follow the early LinkedIn playbook, I'll fail. Mobile is different. Virality is different. LinkedIn and the ecosystem is different. The platforms that people are using, they're all different. So you have to use a different set of techniques in order to do this. And that's part of the learning and unlearning. 
So Barry, in his eagerness to unlearn everything that he's learned about media, buys up QVC and stakes out his first venture in the wild new world of interactive content. QVC was just a testing ground for a much grander ambition. Barry was mesmerized by the idea of an interactive screen. He saw it could shake up any and all industries, and he was about to build an empire of interactive content. Then in 1995, he acquired a company called Silver King Communications, which after a series of name changes became Interactive Corp, or IAC for short. The name is generic by design. So what was the genesis and idea of doing Interactive Corp? I am the definition of unintended consequences, I guess. From the world I came from of narrative, I had gotten this dose of interactivity, a word I made up, by the way. Uh, it was there for the taking. The word entrepreneur had now really begun. Very early stages, but it had begun. And ideas of colonizing offline businesses into online businesses. That had just begun. So we were there very early. One of IAC's first major acquisitions was a company called Ticketmaster, which became the leading online hub for tickets to concerts, games, and other live events. And then see if you can follow the thread here. What does he acquire next? Ticketmaster was one. And then, of course, travel. Expedia. That's right. He buys Expedia.com and moves into online travel. And if that sounds like a rather odd leap, watch him put the moves on online dating. How did you become the literally king of dating for online? Here's the truth. My son says to me, there's a site you should buy. I said, what? It's called Friendster. Friend Finder. I'm sorry, Friend something Finder. like that. Yes, yeah, no, Friend Finder. That's the one you're thinking of. Yes, thank you. So I look it up. I say, Alex, this is a hooker site in Canada. Uh-oh. I, I, I said, no, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> However, the idea, there was a tiny little company in Texas called Match.com, because I said, this is something the internet can do. Hmm. So we bought this little tiny thing, and then, you know, it, it, it went to where it went. I had thought that there was no reason why, if you built up some fluency in this, you couldn't do lots. Mm. So we became very quickly the only conglomerate, so to speak, mm. in the internet space. Match.com went on to become the first mega dating site. But Barry doesn't stop there. He leans into the entire genre of online matchmaking and beyond. We ran through the list in our last episode, but it's worth recounting here. Match.com, Match. Tinder, Tinder. OkCupid, okay, Plenty of Fish, Black People Meet, Expedia, TripAdvisor, Urban Spoon, Vimeo, Ask.com, The Daily Beast, College Humor, Daily Burn, Dictionary.com, Angie's List. You can hardly use the internet without encountering one of Diller's properties. The question remains, if every online property is fair game, how does Barry even decide what eyes he should buy in the first place and which he should avoid? I asked him and expected a guiding philosophy that would at last explain IEC's ever-expanding portfolio. So how did you apply your blank page, your process to the starting of your internet businesses? You know, look, the first one is always the first. And then, since I'm always up for anything, you know, I really want to keep scrubbing it so that I'm open. 
by the fourth or fifth, I said, yes, this is what we do. In a world where nobody really knew anything, I always think nobody knows anything about anything, including me, but where very few people knew anything, we had actually built up some expertise in knowing some of the basics of both product iteration and distribution. Mm-hmm. And so it was very natural. We started businesses, we invented them, we bought them at various stages, and we got used to it. This is a high stakes game, buying companies and figuring out how they work as you go. You can imagine how this portfolio might collapse in a cloud of mismanagement. But Barry, once again, has a competitive advantage. He may be a novice in all of these fields, but so is everyone else. Remember this line? I always think nobody knows anything about anything, including me. There's a lot of wisdom packed into that statement. First, he knows, so long as no one else has figured out how to run these businesses, he has as good a shot as anyone. Second, he knows what he doesn't know. And this helps you continually embody a beginner's mindset when you're curious, nimble, and open to new ideas. And finally, he has the confidence of a lifelong learner. And this sort of confidence cannot be faked. You can't just declare yourself an infinite learner. I am an infinite learner. You have to do the hard work of both deep learning and quick unlearning before you can place bets on so many industries. If you go in with too many preconceived notions about how a business should run, it's a liability. The more you know, the worse it is. In fact, it's relatively simple. Is it a good idea? When an existing company, an acquisition, if you spend too much time on it and you learn too much about it, you will inevitably be talked out of it. And I've seen it happen so many times in my company. You know, hindsight is hindsight, but you go back a year to later and you say, what was wrong? You know, we've got teams of analysts and same thing you've got. And you get too much data as against a good idea and you come to the wrong conclusion. This reminded me of my own investments in the venture stage when we take big risks on much less mature companies than Barry. We also have our analysts and due diligence teams. Combine that with our own near-death experiences as startup founders and it's a wonder we invest at all. But remember, we are not just infinite learners ourselves. We're in the business of investing in other infinite learners, people whom we entrust to work through all of these troubling unknowns. So we learn all of the risks of business, and then we unlearn them. By the way, there's a funny parallel to the venture business, because basically, if you can completely predict it analytically, it's probably at the wrong stage for the venture business. Yes. So what that means is that you're taking a risk. You're jumping into the unknown somewhere. Yep. And if you overly pollute it with, like, here's a risk, and here's an unknown, and here's a risk, and here's an unknown, and here's a risk, and here's an unknown, then all of a sudden it's like, it just looks like, oh, my God, how could this ever work? So you want this balance between, I know what the big risks are, I know what the big play yep. is, yep. but I can still see the vision that it could be. And that's where yeah. you want to make the, that, yeah. that's the fulcrum by yeah. which you want to make the decision. We're not... Uh, as you know, we're not in the venture stage. Yeah. So in, in the acquisition area, we're at stages where at a minimum you're paying 500 million to multiple billions for mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Well, forget the valuation yeah. game of which is a whole other shell game. But the the killer of over analysis is the loss of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know? Exactly. And that's really true. Because it's the opportunity is what matters much more than anything else. Absolutely. Yes. One quick way out of this analysis paralysis is to start from Barry's premise that nobody knows anything, yourself included. And this is simultaneously a humbling and liberating concept. A lot of young entrepreneurs think strategy is something like a chess game. They think they have to pre-plan a whole sequence of moves. And actually, in fact, sometimes you get elements of that. But frequently what I tell founders is, no, you actually don't need to plot every move in your head. In fact, you shouldn't. Just stay nimble enough so that when you see a strategic opportunity, you recognize it and you orient towards it. Most visionary founders recognize the limits of their vision. They can picture in vivid detail what their customers want, but they also recognize that that picture was painted by their overactive imaginations. They have to readily revise this imagined future based on the reality of customer feedback. You can't get that feedback by simply describing the future to your customers. If you would ask them, hey, would you want this? Could I interest The you usual in answer is a sort of lukewarm, that? possibly, I don't know. I think I'm good. You don't get very good data because most people are not good at conceptualizing the future. But if you give customers a glimpse of that future, Ooh. which means building and rebuilding your product, what typically happens is customers kind of know it when they see it, right? At some point they go, ooh, that's good. Now we're talking. And only then does the next step in your strategy become apparent. What I find so interesting about Barry's business model is the moment he becomes sure-footed in his strategy, that's the moment his interest starts to wane. He has no interest in clinging to familiar properties or even the ones that anchor ISC's portfolio. And then I thought, this is stupid. I don't like conglomerates. They're inefficient. And essentially, you're the false daddy to all of these enterprises, meaning false, meaning you have total control. You can allocate capital here, there, and whatever. They come to you as the daddy, but you're allocating capital rather than this company doing what it solely wants to do. So I started spinning these companies off. As soon as it got to be a stage where I thought it really needed the light of being independent, being on its own. That was a healthy thing. Here's what makes IC such a strange and indescribable business. Everything that Barry's learned about online dating, travel, or new media, he's ready to spin off as soon as he's figured it out. In 2008 alone, IC spun off the Home Shopping Network, Ticketmaster, and LendingTree.com. IC, in short, is not quite a conglomerate, although it's often mistaken for one. It's more like an incubator that hatches ideas for just about the length of time that Barry can sustain his interest. It's a portfolio constantly poised between Barry's desire to learn and unlearn. So we've done nine spinoffs of companies because now we keep an incubator company called IAC, but when something gets to be of size, we spin it out. We'll be back in a moment after a word from our premier brand partner, Capital One Business. There was panic that set in that night because I didn't want to let people down. We're back with Aparna Saran of Capital One Business. She was recalling the time she woke up in a cold sweat, terrified that the new product she had been working on might fail. So the next morning, she sat down and wrote an email. It was Sunday morning, and I said, you know what? I'm going to just like share this with my peers. It was very emotional. It was like sort of a cry for help. Aparna realized that if the new product didn't take off, she needed a plan B, preferably multiple plan Bs. 
I'm inviting them to be the thought partners so that we are mitigating as much risk as possible and we have contingency plans in place as we make this move. You'd write something like this and your heart is pounding, should I send this? It was a super vulnerable moment for me. But then I was like, I'm going to just send this. Like, what's the worst that will happen? It can't be worse than being on the front page of the newspaper. So she held her breath and hit send. What happened next would surprise even her. We'll hear about that later in the show. It's all part of Capital One Business's Spotlight on Business Leaders, following Reed's Refocus Playbook. I want to be clear, no one can build and manage this diverse of a portfolio on their own. Barry doesn't just spot promising companies, he spots promising leaders. They are infinite learners like himself. They're known as the killer dealers. They include entertainment executives like Jeffrey Katzenberg, former CEO of DreamWorks, Don Steele, the former head of Columbia Pictures, and Michael Eisner, former CEO of the Walt Disney Company. They also include high-tech executives. When Uber forced its co-founder and CEO, Travis Kalanick, to step down, who did the board hire to turn the company around? That's right, a killer dealer. Dara Khosrowshahi, Uber's new CEO. And that's just a sampling of the talent that flies like sparks out of Barry's companies and sets whole new industries ablaze. He has an uncanny ability to develop future leaders according to a simple rule. Here it is. It's in a sentence, whether it's dumb or smart. If you hire people at senior positions, you are a failure. This wasn't what I expected Barry to say. He explains. It's my own stuff. I, I got hired with no, exp- no nothing. Somebody just took the flyer, as they say. So I have always believed that you hire people, bring people into your organization who are young and who are inexperienced for the job that you give them. Sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't work. You won't find the following recommendations in any HR manual. When you drop somebody into deep water and you see they flounder and they really are gasping, unless that happens, development rarely happens. Hmm. And then slowly, you know, they get above the waterline and then they start to go. If you think Barry's exaggerating, consider his training regimen for one of the killer dealers. Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi. Dara Khosrowshahi started with our company. He was at Allen & Company as a junior analyst. He came to us as a junior analyst. And what we did is we made him CFO of a, he had no experience in being, know what a CFO was, of a, a division. And he just kept going from there. And Barry is absolutely right. I had no idea what I was taking on. That's Dara, by the way. I didn't know how to work with an audit committee. My accounting expertise was quite lacking. But Barry has a habit of um, throwing people into opportunities and letting them either rise or fail. You'd think Dara might have flagged some of these gaps in his resume. Think again. You know, we were moving so fast that there wasn't much time for self-reflection. I was just lucky Barry gave me that opportunity. So, no, um, you know, I didn't think long and hard about it. When you get an opportunity like that, you say, yep, and you figure it out. 
Now that's an infinite learner talking. And here's what happens when an infinite learner swings into action. You are essentially a conglomerate with lots of little independent businesses out there. And to build out the controls to be a proper reporting public company was a real struggle for me. Fortunately, I knew what I didn't know. And I had, for example, a great audit committee chair, Alan Spoon. I had a terrific mentor, Victor Kaufman, who I went to for help. It was a really positive experience in the end. And I mean, it was a tough fight, but it's the tough fights that are satisfying. A pretty positive experience. But here's the thing about infinite learning. It's addictive. When Barry was searching for a new CEO to run Expedia, Dara hurled himself into the deep end. So the CEO kind of decided that he was going to move on to his next challenge. And at that point, I was CFO of IC, and I raised my hand and I asked for the CEO job, not understanding exactly what it would take. And Barry, in that case, took me up on the offer. It was either because he thought I was talented or he didn't have many other alternatives. And I kind of don't care why, but he gave me the opportunity And, you know, in that job, I have to tell you, for the first year or year and a half, I had a tough time, uh, but I learned what it took. Barry did give me the time. He allowed me to make some mistakes. Some of them were painful. And after that tough year, year and a half, things started turning in the right direction. And I was Expedia CEO for 13 years, which led me to where I am now at Uber. So by now, you're probably getting a sense of why Dara was tapped to run Uber. Perhaps the only thing more compelling than his experience is how quickly he learns and the absence of experience. He's back in the deep, and he's right where he belongs. Oh, I am very much in the deep end. Uh, But, you know, I knew that I was getting into a super dynamic, super difficult situation. And the experience that I had at a CFO of IC and CEO at Expedia has really taught me to, hey, find the hard stuff and take the hard stuff on early because the hard stuff doesn't get any easier with time. It only gets tougher. We're scheduling an interview with Dara for an upcoming Masters of Scale episode. So if you want to hear what he's learning and unlearning, stay tuned and send us any questions you have for him at Masters of Scale. So far, we've focused on Barry's most successful protégés, but there's also the untold story of the bright young things who were thrown in the deep end and sank. Barry acknowledges the risks. He doesn't fret over them, though. If you do it with consistent turkeys, then, you know, you'll just have a swimming pool with dead bodies at the bottom. Let's linger for a moment on those bodies at the bottom of the pool. The killer dealers themselves had a bit more to say about this problem. I try to throw them into the shallow end so they don't, uh, and and see how they swim before I transfer them over to the deep end. I'm younger and maybe I'm not as uh, brave a risk taker as, as Barry is. Barry can develop new talent the same way he develops new businesses, with an open mind, a quick reaction time, and no fixed assumptions. Dara adds that he's never seen anyone read his employees quite as closely as Barry. Barry listens unlike anyone that I've ever met. He's really listening for every single angle. He wants to get his data straight from the source. He wants high fidelity. He does not want any editorial whatsoever. You know, he has an ear for human nature and kind of business in a way that I haven't seen other people. But that listening skill, I think, allows him to identify traits in people that 
a lot of other people who aren't listening as carefully or observing as carefully, I think, miss. This ability to read your colleagues, to learn and unlearn everything you know about them, is perhaps the single most unpredictable variable in your business. Markets change, technologies change, users' habits change, but nothing changes as wildly as the talents of your employees. Margaret Heffernan, the former CEO of five tech companies and author of Dare to Disagree, argues that the best leaders don't even try to gauge talent as some fixed quantity inherent in every person. People rise and fall depending on the circumstances. True leaders constantly study their employees for signs of promise and signs of trouble. We make a huge mistake when we divide people into stars and also rands, uh, which culturally we tend to do. He, she is a superstar. You know, they're a good foot soldier. I think in some circumstances, anybody is a star. And in some circumstances, anybody is a foot soldier. And it is very like casting. You know, there are certain actors who are just the most dazzling supporting actors. If you put them in the right position, they will change the whole movie. They don't need to run it to change it. And those same people can also be stars in a different film. And so this idea that there are people who are infallible, you know, even Jeffrey Katzenberg isn't infallible. Even Barry Diller isn't infallible. Steven Spielberg has made stinkers and Stephen Jobs has run bad companies. So the important thing isn't, you know, are you in the superstar category or the foot soldier category? The point is, are you the right person for this assignment? And that's a higher grade of sensibility, it seems to me. Even Barry's uncommon ability to spot the right employee for the right job leaves him vulnerable to one final and unavoidable challenge. How do you hang on to those employees who thrive in the deep end? The hard truth is, you often can't. When Barry loses a powerhouse talent like Dara to Uber, take note of his reaction. He emailed an open letter to every employee at Expedia, One line in particular struck me. It reads, if Dara does leave us, it will be to my great regret, but also my blessing. That is how you learn to let go of your talent. I couldn't resist telling Barry. In fact, I had a bit more to say about the letter than he did. The letter that you had written about him in the shift to the Uber CEO job, because obviously he was formerly CEO of Expedia with you, was actually, in fact, a textbook letter in something that my second book is called The Alliance, which is how do you actually make allies out of yeah. out of the people you work with right. for career transformation. And that was like the perfect, like, uh, look, we love you. We love you working here. You've done amazing things. Yep. We'll miss you. Yes. But it's also great that you're going to go do something else yep, amazing yep, as well. Yep, yep, yep. Was that the same way that all the way back to like the Paramount days about how you were essentially developing talent? Absolutely. Right. Yes. You can read the full letter at our website, mastersofscale.com. In light of everything Barry has learned across his varied career, I had asked him one last question. It's a question I ask every guest. Is there anything that you would call and tell your younger self, do X differently or do <laughs> you know, more of Y, less of Z? Endless. Because as I say, that look, process is learning and course correcting. So it wouldn't matter because... Yes, I would tell myself 27 million different things 
it wouldn't do me or it any good because for me, I had to unlearn to learn, learn to unlearn, and the whole circle of that. Yep. Well, that's an awesome expression. Have you said that before? No. Nope. I haven't heard that. It's great. I've never th- yes. thought it before. <laughs> I had thought it before, but I never quite found the words for it until I interviewed Barry. You learn something new every day, and then, of course, you unlearn it. I'm Reed Hoffman. Thank you for listening. Masters of Scale is a Wait What original. Our executive producers are June Cohen and Darren Tripp. Our producers are Dan Kedmi, Chris McLeod, Jenny Cataldo, and Ben Manila. Our supervising producer is Jay Punjabi. Original music and sound design is by the Holiday Brothers. Mixing and mastering by Brian Pugh. Special thanks to Chris Ye, Saida Sepieva, Elisa Schreiber, David Sanford, and Stephanie Kent. Visit mastersofscale.com to find the transcript for this episode. And now, a final word from our brand partner, Capital One Business. Throughout the day, text messages and emails kept pouring in. Whatever you need, just let us know. We're back one more time with Aparna Saran of Capital One Business. She was telling us about a Sunday morning email she fired off in a moment of panic. Minutes later, her inbox was overflowing. And the support she found wasn't just emotional, it was practical. We talked about detailed contingency plans and we created our go-to-market strategy. Before we are in full rollout mode, we had stage gates so that we could test and quickly learn and iterate. And within a matter of like six months, as we were rolling things out channel by channel, those stage gates would allow us to pivot if we saw something that we didn't like. That day, Aparna learned a lesson that stayed with her. Having multiple plan Bs doesn't just expand your options. It gives you new opportunities. The best way to pivot is actually open doors for thoughtful conversations because humility in knowing that you actually don't know everything as well as the empathy in knowing that disruption is always drastic and abrupt helps you go through that pivot with other people in a very different way. Capital One Business is proud to support entrepreneurs and leaders working to scale their impact from Fortune 500s to first-time business owners. For more resources to help drive your business forward, visit CapitalOne.com slash Business Hub. That's CapitalOne.com slash Business Hub.